Gloves Off Hockey live here with Mike Milbury and your friend Ben Rabinovitz live here on WMEX. Mike, it's been one heck of a week and we've got one heck of a show coming up for everybody, but how are you first and foremost? I'm doing pretty well, Ben. I mean, I uh, usually get to the gym most mornings around here in New Seabury, but today I played a little pickleball, which was kind of fun. The new Different. national pastime. I like that. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, it's a good social event and you know, a lot of bending and twisting, but um, you can get to most balls and, and it's it was kind of, it was fun. I'd do it again. Nice. Well, hey, you know, we'll have to get together. Maybe we could get a team going. We'll find out. <laughs> Talking right. about the team getting so, going, though, man, the bees have been on fire. Yeah, again, you know, they had that stumble around the All-Star break, and um, but they've resumed their winning ways. They beat Ottawa on Monday. Before that, they beat the Islanders handily, and the Islanders are dying to stay in a playoff spot, but there was no contest whatsoever. Ottawa, who's been surprisingly tough on the Bruins, um, but Boston seemed intent on hammering that monkey on Monday and uh, it was a, it was a good hockey game and of course you saw David Pasternak get his 40th of the year and what a sweet play it was did you catch that Ben it was a, oh, a pass from McAvoy through his legs and then he beat three defenders with a pass and then Poster sniped it high on, on the glove side on their young goaltender it was a thing of beauty it really was I mean honestly I didn't think he was going to get it from that deep down but he really laced that one top shelf yeah I mean, his composure um, was evident on that. But <clears throat> excuse me, on his on his forty forty first goal, it was absurd. I mean, this goal is also McAvoy uh, assisted in all three goals in the Ottawa game, and this one he was defending, fell to his knees, and took a swat at the puck from inside the blue line, just around the tops of the circles, and somehow. Postenock was out at center ice. I don't know what he was doing there, but I guess he was poaching, looking for a break. And he picked up the, the pass like it was perfect. I really don't think McAvoy. He just tried to clear the puck, and it wound up fortuitously on Postenock's stick. So he had he had time for a cup of coffee on his way to, to the Ottawa goal, and he went forehand, backhand, and then five-hole, and it barely hit the back of the net. But, I mean, his his ability to get it done was – is. That play kind of epitomizes the Bruins season. You get good effort from McAvoy, kind of a fortuitous bounce, and then you see the skill of Postonok. Um, you know, that's the way it's gone all year, hasn't it? It's been it was the skill was on full display there, and but his complete composure and, and his calmness was it was silly. It's what's making him one of the most dynamic players in the league. It's not all just one timers. He can get it done in any number of different kind of ways. So, I mean, you, you saw you saw that one as well, too, I'm sure, Ben. Oh, of course. And nothing but nothing on that breakaway. I mean, the puck never actually left the ice. If you notice, he slid that thing in five-hole, and he made it look effortless. And I know Amanda Lees was in his uh, debut game. Too bad he had to face nearly 50 shots in the process. But, hey, kid, that's how you make your stripes in the big show, you know? Uh, and once again... Linus Olmark with timely saves. He made a big save on Stutzel. I love saying that name, Stutzel. Anyway, he was uh, strong on a uh, nearly full two-minute five-on-three for Ottawa. And his best was when the score was tied, Brady Tuchuk came in on the forechuck and just lambasted Lindholm. I don't know how Lindholm got up. But but Tuchuk not only made the hit, ret- retrieved the puck and made a great backhand pass to Gambrella up front 
was all alone, and he zipped the uh, really snapped a hard shot, and Allmark just flashed the glove and made it look easy. It was a, you know, another another one of those times. It was one to one at the time, and so keeping it even was a, you know, a momentum stopper, I guess you'd call it. Oh, no doubt about it. And, you know, the two of them, uh, whether it's Swayman or Allmark, I mean, they've just been on full display. Of course, Sway getting the shutout uh, in the game before that. Uh, I mean, the only question I think we have left here, Mike, with this team is where is Pasternak's check? Because he's getting more expensive every time he hits the ice. Yeah, I, I don't know what the holdup is. But it's starting to get to be, you know, I've heard rumors that they're close, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope he has some disability insurance in case something, I hope to God nothing happens to him, but in case something okay, happens, because the number of millions of dollars that's on the table for him is, is going to be absurd. But we're going to talk a lot more about the Bruins later on in the show, but uh, we got a special guest coming up. Uh, we talked to him a couple of days ago. We were able to squeeze in some time with Don Cherry. Don, he played for a really long time in the minor league, 16, 17 years. Very successful, I might add. I want to talk to him about that. And after a short and, again, successful coaching stint with the Rochester Americans, Harry Sinden offered him the job in Boston. And for those not old enough to remember, this was 1974. And... That's the year that Don arrived and was just two years removed from the Bruins Cup in 72 and four years removed from their their cup and the, the famous Bobby Orr goal in 1970. So you got to put it in context. It was the era of the big, bad Bruins, or Esposito, Busick, McKenzie, Sanderson, Jerry Cheevers, and they owned the town's attention. I mean, swashbuckling was the term most commonly applied to that group, and and this team could score almost at will. It was a different era, and they and they, they took full advantage of it. And their antics weren't just, you know, on the ice. The antics off the ice were legendary. And I don't know if you heard the story of the, the group of guys going to Mass General Hospital and wheeling out Phil Esposito after surgery so they could take him to a bar. But it was that kind of... <laughs> no, I didn't hear that one. <laughs> that's the kind of attention that... Um, they, they put on themselves, but they had as much fun on the ice as they did off the ice. And I can remember going to school and the buzz on the day of a Bruins game and then rehashing Bruins plays the next day. It was just, it was kind of Patriots mania at its height at that particular time. So in retrospect, not an easy job to say yes to because it, it, the expectation of success was extraordinarily high. So he had a first-year kind of stumble, 1974. I'm going to talk to him about his first training camp a little bit. Um, but the times had changed. It wasn't just all about goal scoring. It was, the, it was the era of, as you recall, the Broad Street Bullies, the Philadelphia Flyers, with Bobby Clark, with Bernie Perrant, Moose DuPont, Dave Schultz, of course. And they took in, intimidation to a new – it became a tactic. You had to beat your, your opponent to a smithereens in order to win. And greats began to load up with tough guys after he got to Boston. Cheevers, Cheevers had come back, but Orr was gone. Brad Park and John Rattel show up, and, and Esposito's gone to the Rangers. And the wingers were tough and hard-nosed and could fight. Cashman, O'Reilly, Wensick, Marcotte, Secord, Stan Jonathan. I mean, the rules became simple. The breakout was fired up the boards 
and let the wingers crush the opposing defenseman and then go get it. And then the second rule was dump the puck in, send two guys hard on the forecheck, and smash into everybody, everybody that you could find. I mean, it was, it was nothing um, short of the most simpl- simplistic time, but it was so much fun to have that kind of simple guidance. And for the next three years, from 76 to 79, the Bruins in Montreal went toe-to-toe, and they were the two best teams in the league. And, um, you know, I, I, I could tell you a lot more about him, but I'm going to give you the chance to hear from Don himself, and he'll be coming up after the break. Are you looking for a local printer that you can trust for a timely execution of all of your printing needs? Ziprint Centers of Randolph is located at 217 North Main Street and is the premier one-stop custom print shop that proudly serves the WMEX family. Posters, postcards, and more, their on-site printing experts are ready to turn your project into a work of art. WMEX uses Ziprint Centers of Randolph exclusively for all of our printing needs, and you can too. Ziprint Centers of Randolph offer excellence every step of the way as part of an unwavering commitment to exceed your expectations. Call today at 781-963-2250 or email at info at zipprintcenters.com today and mention WMEX and this ad when you do and let them know that you love the merch that you won right here on WMEX. Zipprint Centers, 781-963-2250. My guest this week needs no introduction. One of the most popular coaches in the history of Boston sports. No, I'm not going to say one of the most popular. Um, I mean, makes Belichick look like a rookie. Uh, my friend and mentor who has led an incredible life. Don Cherry, how are you? I'm pretty good, Mike. I, I like to tell the people uh, how close you came to not being a Bruin. Is that all right? All right, let it rip. All right. It all started in Rochester, New York, if you believe it or not. And I had a, I was coaching a, I was unemployed. I was coaching a, a high school team, and they went away. And they come back, and and a, 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 one of the point guys I had on the point was John Hoff, and he said, "No, I played with a guy that that you're really going to like." And I thought, "Yeah, you know, <laughs> I just been made coach the Bruins, and." Um, so anyhow, I go to the draft, and, and Harry's there, and, he, and uh, we, we, used to, we used to ask me, do we want this guy, do we want that guy? Anyhow, he, uh, when we were through, we had 60, 60 guys come to camp. I said to, to John Carl, do you remember John Carl? Sure Maybe. I do. Yeah. And I said, um, John, isn't there a guy that lives around here named I mean, Muldoon or Mulberry or somebody? <laughs> and he said, uh, Oh, you mean Mike Milbury? I see. Yeah, well, uh, put him on the list too, eh? And he said, well, we have 61 nights. Well, what's the difference? One more guy. And that's how you became a Bruin. Oh, my God. I mean, I, listen, I never thought when I was playing my senior year at Colgate that I'd ever make a nickel playing hockey. Thought maybe I could go to Europe and kick around for a couple of years. But then the Braves called me up for a couple of games, and uh, and then I got the, the chance to go to training camp. But that first training camp was an experience because – the party they had out at the, uh, the the country club out that way was just incredible. Remember? Oh, I re- I remember. I just come from uh, Rochester, and it was like the 
minds there. And we, we worked hard. We busted everywhere we went. And I went there the first, and, and Harry said, yeah, we're having a party. Not a party. I guess it was a golf party. And uh, I, I phoned Rose. I said, you can't believe this. I said, they got cocktail uh, waitresses going around with drinks given guys, I guess. I said, I, I'm coming home. So don't be silly. Why don't you be first class like the rest of the guys? So I came home. I I love I love, I couldn't believe it. Remember that? Remember they had that party? Oh my God! It was they they had Heineken and silver buckets. This was at lunchtime, and then when yeah. we came back from playing tennis or golf, it was the international at Bolton. They had uh, they had several bands on the veranda, and they were playing on. And, and I remember Dallas Smith just stumbling drunk all over the place, oh, like I, he couldn't get out of his I, own way. Yeah, he was uh, well. I, <laughs> I remember Harry, Harry coming down. How come we got guys with 20 games to go and, and they're quitting? They're going to New York. <laughs> I saw. It's not right. I didn't. I, I let on. I didn't know. I knew Dallas couldn't take it. Uh, remember, remember, he he was. Uh, he, one time I said to him, I said, Dallas, let me ask you a question. I said, you got that big stick you've got in your hand. I said, is it for scoring? No. I said, is it for uh, cross-checking guys? No. What do you, what do you have it for? Uh, Dallas and I didn't get along too well. <laughs> hey, well, I want to talk about you. Let's start at the beginning. Grew up in Kingston. Your dad played some amateur sports, huh? What did he play? He was he was uh, a baseball player. He never played hockey, and he was a lot bigger than me. He was about six foot three, and he was really funny. My brother just sent a picture of him, and... Uh, he was, and he never played hockey, but he he made sure I played hockey, and so, so did my brother. My brother played for the Bruins, played uh, two a uh, year, I think, for the Bruins, and and then he played out west in Oklahoma City, yeah. And you're so, here. I, so I went, I went there, and uh, and um, I went to Bruins camp. The first year I was really pretty good, and then the second year I I hurt my shoulder, and. Um, well, I separated my shoulder, and there was blood coming out of it. <laughs> I went to the trainer. You know what he gave me? He gave me 12 Band-Aids. back in those days. Go back to the beginning. Your, your dad, was he a tough guy? Was he tough on you? Oh, he was pretty tough. He was uh, he was pretty big, too. And he was, uh, he was a lot bigger than Richard, Richard and I. And uh, he, was, he was a tough guy, yep. And he was an electrician, right? His electrician. He was uh, he was one of the first to sign in uh, on the. Uh, uh, in fact, I have the thing. He, he was one of the first guys to sign up as an electrician. Huh. And it was a Canadian steamship line that he worked for. Yeah, Canadian, yeah. He worked on. He had a big substation. I remember he'd come out and he'd be reading all the time. And I said, Dad, you don't mind me saying this? I said, Every time I come out here, you're reading. He says, I get paid for what I know, not what I do. <laughs> and what about your mom? Was she stay-at-home mom? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Everybody, everybody stayed home and didn't have to work in those days. And I guess she, we took tourists into our house and um, used to do all the, all the, all the, you know, the the uh, beds and and everything. She used to do all that. And she'd have it all ready for them to come again. Richard used to greet the. Read the tourist guys. I never did. I wouldn't treat them. <laughs> so Kingston's what, like halfway between Montreal and Toronto. What was yeah. it like growing up there? 
Oh, it was great. It was that. I had a lot of fun, and and uh, we and it was uh, everybody played hockey back in those days, and uh, and and the public school had a, a rink, and we used to go in there, and, and uh, we used to, I used to skate till about nine o'clock at night. And in those days, you you could skate at home on the um, the ice. Uh, they never had salt and stuff like that. That's it. That's amazing, isn't it? And I can. And you, so you had you had a rink at the school. Yeah, I had a rink at the school. That's where I played the most of the time. And then we had an. Uh, and then you made the big time. You made junior B, and uh, you went from junior B to to Barry Flyers, which was. was yeah. How did five. you get to Barry? How did you get to Barry? For the well, I had, I, I had some friends that, that I I I hate to say it, but. I, I there was just as good a hockey player as me, but I made Barry, and uh, and they owned back in those days. You signed an A form or or a C form. An A form said they owned you as long as you they, they brought you to camp. A C form, I think Bobby Orr signed a C form, the greatest hockey player who ever played, and um, he signed a C form, so he they owned him. Huh. Uh, um. And they had to pay, but they had to pay the Orr family, right, in order to get his his rights. Oh yeah, they they did. It. I think I, I think that uh, one of the scouts when he was there, he, they they stuck all day outside of his house, <laughs> oh, <laughs> house or something like that. So Barry yeah. B- Barry was your first, you know, junior jo- junior team, and you won a Memorial Cup one year with them, right? Yeah, um, we won the Memorial Cup, and then we. Then we then the next year I went to the Bruins Bruins camp and I had a good camp and I should have made the Bruins that year that's what I should have done. Well, who was the coach? We'll go back and get him. Uh, <laughs> it was Milt Schmidt. So you oh, can't wow. get him. No, I can't. So <laughs> on that Memorial Cup team, were there any guys that made the NHL? Yeah, Don McKinney and uh, Doug Moans. Uh, they, they were they played. I think they played for the Bruins for a while. Yeah, they, they did. Were, yeah. I, you know, I, I I never forgot that I used to I used to cheer for them all the time. I used to pick up the paper and hope that they got a goal and, and everything like that. And, and the first time I met them, I met them about five years in. They were I I never forgot this. I was standing be, they were sitting beside a fountain, and I up and I said, "Hi, Don. Hi, hi Doug. How you doing? Hi, everything? But he's going gun." And they said, "Oh, your name is uh, who?" Was your... <laughs> <laughs> so and here was... I am every day, hoping they score a goal. <laughs> and uh, and you you travel by bus everywhere, right? Oh, when everywhere, everywhere you never, never, ever. I think we played. Oh, I think we took the train one time, but uh, and then I went to the, the American Hockey League. I went to Hershey. Pennsylvania. Yeah, how did you Everybody... get to Hershey? You went. To well, everybody, every everybody went to Hershey. Uh, training camp. That's where they had the training camp, and they just left me there. And uh, the second year, I I went to hit a guy, and uh, it was before they had those little clips in the back of the skates, and it cut all the bottom of my foot. No oh, boy, and Bruin didn't want me, and neither did Hershey want me. Nobody. Well, you wanted were me. you you were how old then? About nineteen, right? Yeah, I was nineteen years old, and and and, and, and nobody wanted me. <laughs> well, what kind of a player were you? Uh, it's a tough player. I used to, uh, I could throw them pretty good, and uh, that's the kind of team I liked. I liked the toughest team, as you know. And uh, I, we had a real tough team. I We'd have a tough time now, though. The way they call penalties now, oh, my goodness. It's uh, it's it's crazy. But 
rolling on with your career. You played a lot. You played what, 18, 19 years? I played 16 years, yeah. The, and last, you, five, I, the last five years I played, uh, I won five championships and a, and a, and a final. I, I was I was looking at that and I didn't realize how many four caller cups and then one out in Vancouver. Yeah, um, you want, you were in Springfield for one of them. Was Eddie Shore there? Oh, that? I, Eddie Shore was as bad as everybody says. I don't know if they remember him. He was a great hockey player, but he was an awful executive of a TV coach. That he just had guys there to, to torture them. That's what he's there. And unfortunately, I was there a long time. I was there three and a half years. I think he kept me there. Just to torture me. <laughs> um, but you did get a cup of coffee in the National League. You game with the Bruins. and But you always, I read that you you got hurt playing baseball or something. And that, that kept you back. Well, they told me not to play baseball. And I, like a fool, I love baseball. And uh, I love the Red Sox. And um, I, got, I love Blue Jays and the Red Sox. I don't know who to cheer for. But anyhow, uh, I wrecked my shoulder and that's when I went to camp and, and boy, they were, they were mad at me for playing for, for wrecking my shoulder. I remember that. How did you, how did you wreck it? Just throwing the ball? I would di- no, I was diving for a ball and I didn't, didn't fall right after I caught the ball. I didn't roll. I didn't have the good roll and I caught my shoulder and uh, that was it. <laughs> and, and so, you know, the funny thing, funny thing is, they thought I wasn't going to make the Bruins. They thought I was in, in love with Rose, uh, who come from Hershey, and then I wanted to stay in Hershey. They that wasn't a, that wasn't the it wasn't the it wasn't. The, talk about misreading that. I, I think you you and Rose lived in about fifty different places. Oh, we traveled and and never she never complained once. And uh, we traveled I think fifty times. I forget how many times we moved, but to some of the places we. <laughs> Some of the places we we moved to were very nice. Uh, well, you end your playing career late '60s, and then you start selling cars for a living for a while. Cadillac, yes. of course, nothing but the best for you. Yeah. Then you work you work construction, and you were a, even a house painter, making a couple bucks an hour. I, w- so, I was. I, I I established myself as the world's uh, worst car salesman. <laughs> I said one time, you car salesmen are all alike. And I grabbed them and said, yeah. And that was the end of me. <laughs> so, but a couple of years later, in 71, 72, Rochester, I guess. Who owned Rochester at that time? Vancouver. They didn't like me either. They, the guy called me in. I remember him calling me in. He's smoking a little cigar. And he says, we're making a change in your department. And I thought, honest to God, for about second or two, I thought, who the hell is in our department by my department? It was me. How did you get the job coaching Rochester? It was middle of the year they hired you, right? No, it was it was that uh, it was that training camp. Harry was at training camp, and believe it or not, I turned it down. I was, uh, no, I, no, I, I meant I meant your job in Rochester. Oh yeah, I well, yeah, I was doing. I was, I was loved it in Rochester. I I was making almost as much money. As I as I was uh, in Rochester, as I was in Boston, then I loved it. I just said, I, I turned it down to start with, and then I thought, you check his, you know, it was Bobby Orr, and then I, how am I going to yeah. coach Bobby Orr? And uh, I phoned him back the next day, and I said, I'll take the job. <laughs> so, I mean, the, your first year in Rochester, you won, you won the Calder Cup, right? Uh, I don't know. I forget the it. Uh, 
I don't think I well, won. Well, I, I did I, my research. It says you were coach of the year, but anyway. Oh, well, uh, coach then, of the year, that's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Harry interviews you, you turn him down, and then you finally decide you're going to take the Well, job. we did an interview back in those days. He said, do you want the job? And I turned it down like a fool. And uh, then, I, then I, I phoned him back the next day, and I said, uh, I'll take it. I, and that's not that's like that's 1974 your first training camp yeah and uh you know you made you were the best you were the best defenseman we had that back then <laughs> i don't know you about were. that bobby was right, healthy i remember the first practice you had and we had that party the night before and i was early, i was supposed to be on at 10 o'clock but of course i was so scared to death i was there at like 7 45 and and the only guy left in the locker room was Phil. And Bobby walked in just the two minutes before practice was supposed to start, and he starts yelling at Phil. What are you doing here? We didn't win the cup last year. We got a brand-new coach. Get your ass out on the ice. I knew who was boss right away. Well, Bobby Orr, I've, I've seen them all. I mean, I've been right from – I've seen them all, and uh, there's never been a hockey play. I remember the very first time I saw Bobby Orr. I was paid for Rochester. And we went down for the morning skate, and they practiced just before us. And I, I really didn't like Gore because, the, you know, you know, he, he carries the puck and all that stuff. And I think we just got the puck. I couldn't believe him, him skating. His skating, I, <laughs> I went and got a poster. No, I, I, had, I had Rob. We had Rob Walton on, and, and you guys had the Mike Walton. And I said, Rob, take this. See if you get a word to sign us. And, and he did. And Tim still got it. It says keep lifting the weight, and um, there's never been a hockey player like Bobby Orr, uh, and, and I've seen them all. I mean, I, I mean, how can anybody argue with me? I've seen them all. What, oh, what are your them. name? Your top five guys of all time, or from the '60s on, say? Well, you have to put Gretzky, and you have to put Howe, and you have to put uh, Gordy Gordy Howe, and you have to put Bobby Hall, and then you have to have. Uh, 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 Larry Robinson, I have to put there, and then Bobby Orr, and and in that I'd put Terry Sodchuk. Boy, oh boy, was what a goaltender he was. He used to he used to crouch down down low, down low. I never there's no goaltender does that now. They all go high, and with the shots, you notice how many shots are going in high? That's because the guys are down on their knees. Right, right. Well, I'd add to that list of all time greats, Messier. I mean, what did he win? Six. Six cups. Yeah, I'm, yeah, Messier was good. He was good, but he, I just went by the skating. I mean, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it looked like closest I ever saw him, uh, that closest to Orr was uh, Coffee. And uh, Coffee, and, and, and Paul Coffee, and famous fleeting. And I, I, I don't, and I remember Paul Coffee. Paul Coffee, and Pavel Burry was pretty good too, but nobody skated like Orr. How would you describe yourself as a coach? I don't know. I don't, player's coach, I guess. I I practice the way I I thought the practice should be, and I know I used to tick off Harry. You know, he wanted more drills. I think. Hey, I shouldn't. I'm not, I don't. I'm not knocking Harry. I just said uh, you spend more time the coach coaches out that time, more time on the video games and stuff like that. No, I never. I never. I, I couldn't see, and, and I see then that now they have three coaches, I think. Uh, anyhow. At least. Yeah, at least. <laughs> They're tripping over one another in the back there. 
Yeah. You, know, you know what gets me is that they pay this money, they pay the big dole to the to the coaches, eh? And when they have a an offensive uh, line, they they uh, you know they have one coach for that, and then when they have a defensive guy, what the hell does the coach do? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Uh, we'll get to the Bruins in a little bit, but. I, I would describe you as a player's coach, too, and I would describe you as a communicator. Sometimes I didn't always like the way you communicated with me, but... Yeah, I remember you used to drive in with me. I used to I used to have... Uh, I used to practice on you going in. <laughs> I, I, how could I forget it? And by the way, before I forget... Did you, did you, uh, you said you didn't like John Wayne. I said, how do you do? You're not like John Wayne. Those are fighting words right there. <laughs> with Allen. <laughs> And so um, I was about to tell you, did you hear that the Calhoun is closing down? No. Yeah. Don't say that. Why? Yeah. Well, you know, Uncle Billy passed away and his wife passed away. Bobby took it over. and But none of the grandkids want to put in the work. So they, they're going to oh, tear it down. They're going to build a smaller little version of it, but it's going to be mostly condos. And uh, will we ever miss that place, right? Holy dine. I remember Remember one time we stopped in there on the way home, and I, we got some spare ribs, and we went in my kitchen, and I said, I wonder if I'm my canary, Big John, and I put the spare ribs in, in his cage, and I woke up in the morning, and every bit of the meat was gone. <laughs> it's all Kowloon's goal. I hope Kowloon's doesn't close. i like to see that one more time, wearing the poo-poo platter and the, what other stuff. They, oh, the dry, dry ribs were the best. I mean, you get to Boston and, you know, success right away. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and well, but then all of a sudden. I first year I was at like Mickey Mouse, I think. I, I kind of, you know, with all those stars and everything, I think I was in awe of them. I, 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 but I'll tell you one thing. The second year, I remember having a meeting with Harry, and he says, I wanted the guy that was in Rochester. Okay. You want the, the, the guy in Rochester. You got I, I, did, I did have people tell me when I first took over as a coach that I had to stop being buddy buddy with everybody and start act, taking control. And that oh, was yeah. that was good advice. Well, I don't know whether it was or not. I don't know. I well, I mean, you went on to have some pretty. You lost a war to injury and then contract dispute. Espo gets traded. That was a must have been a fun day for you having to tell him he was leaving. I remember. <laughs> I, I remember. I called Bobby. I guess he's, but I guess he's my friend still. So I called Bobby, and I remember he had shorts on, and I, I, I uh, Harry said, you have to get to him early because they're going to get to him. They'll start phoning here from Boston. So I go, and this is a true story. I know that's hard to believe, but this is a true story. I walk in, and I bang on the door, and I finally get him up, and he's got white silk, white silk uh, pajamas on, believe it or not. Anyhow, I go in, and... I tell him he's been traded. Oh boy, was he upset? He was crying and the whole deal. And he says, "Great, if you tell me I've been traded to New York Rangers." And Bobby, Bobby, before I'd won her over, and he didn't want any part of it. He wanted over and was looking out the window. I said, "You've been traded to New York Rangers." Said, <laughs> I said, "Bobby, get away from that window." <laughs> Right. Well, well, but he had he had pretty good years, you know, and, and um, Bill had pretty good years, and he got thirty goals. I mean, it's a lot, you know, a drop from sixty, but uh, thirty goals. You get thirty goals now, you you own them. You own them. I don't I don't think they like it. I don't think yeah, well, that, 
that trade brought in Brad Park and Jean Rattel. How would you describe those two guys? Oh, one 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 had a bad back. Remember, he, he he couldn't play golf anymore, and the other had a bad knee. But uh, the only thing, and I just I used to treat treat Sean Rattel like a priest. I mean, I used to. I think he was a priest. To tell you the truth, he, what a great guy he was. And uh, Park, all he needed was to lose some weight. You know, he had too much uh, weight on, and he. I played him to death, and uh, he lost the weight. And he was he was terrific. You know, he he had a tough time. He come along when Orr come along, and nobody was beating Orr, Bobby Orr, and um, he was the second best defenseman for about seven, six six years. And then Potvin came along when he. It was it was uh, it was the sad. He, he was he was a great defenseman. Yeah, he, he was. Um, then we run into our old nemesis, the Canadians. You know, I looked it up a couple days ago. <clears throat> they had nine Hall of Famers on those teams that beat us. It's, it's amazing that we played them even and almost beat them in that '79. Dryden, yeah. Savard, Lapointe, Robinson, Lemaire, Shut, Lafleur, Gainey, Cornwall. I mean, I remember that- you. I remember you looking. You, I remember you were standing. You were by yourself, and you were looking up at up at the all those flags they had hanging up there. And is it yours, Mister Milbury? I can see that uh, you know. And he says, "You are impressed with all the." And he says, "No, I was just looking to see. They look, they look awful chitty to me." <laughs> <laughs> you always had a good answer. Well, we had a we had such a great run, and you know what always bothered me is that. One year earlier, the Bruins had drafted Ray Bork one year earlier. I, there's no doubt we would have won that series. You know, it's a funny thing. You know, it's, while we're on here, I wanted uh, – all the reporters there were telling me, we got to get this guy. I, I don't know where he played. Played up north somewhere. And uh, he even had a Boston accent. And um, – God, what was his name now? Um, I forgot his name. Anyhow – he, we would have had Bork, we would have had Bobby Orr, we would have had Park, and we would have had, um, hmm, I forgot his name. Anyhow, we, we would have had the best defense in the whole league. Yeah, it was a shame. But you you leave under difficult circumstances in 79. I still don't know how or why that didn't work out, but it didn't. Well, I had, time to go. Harry, would, it was getting, you guys never, you know, you, you, your players never, Really experienced what I what I was going through, and Harry Harry never talked to me, and uh, Tom Johnson never talked to me, and uh, Mister Jacobs never talked. Nobody talked to me. Uh, not that I care if did he talk to me or not, but uh, it was pretty tough running the whole club by yourself. And uh, I, Harry, and I we, we didn't get along there for a long time, and um, but we're, we're friends now. I have I haven't seen him in a long time, but. Where he he speak he spoke to me one time I forget what he when I was last time I was down there, so we're friends now I guess. But then you go to Colorado and you work for their general manager Ray Moron. I mean Miron. <laughs> no, you spelled it right the first time. I remember you give me a book to you give me a book all I know about hockey and I opened it up and it was blank page as little did I know. <laughs> but all of a sudden yeah. you're 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 there briefly and you wind up somehow you wind up in the broadcast booth. Tell me that beginning. Yeah. I don't know. I I got asked by a guy and 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 to come down and and I said I really do really don't, don't want to come and they said well come on down you can visit your mother and I said oh, yeah well then that's true too so I come back mom was still living in Kingston and uh, I come down and I thought I was terrible 
I mean, I really did think I was terrible, and they loved it. So, uh, okay, uh, you wanted me to go next, and that's how I, and I, I, I used to do the color. The very first time I did the color was with uh, Dan Kelly. Remember Dan? He was beautiful. He's the guy that called um, the when Bobby Orr scored the overtime right. goal. He, um, I did my first uh, broadcast was with him, with Dan Kelly. Can't miss with him. I remember, I remember he said to me, Don, uh, what did you think of that period? I said, I tell you, only this guy keeps talking in my ear. I wore one of those stupid <laughs> earpieces. <laughs> but, um, and, then, and then how did you get to Coach's Corner? You started off with Dave Hodge, right? Yeah, he, he didn't like me either. Um, a lot of guys didn't like me. And, uh, <laughs> seeing a trend here. Yeah, see a trend going. So then I got, he said, well, R- Ralph Mellonby liked me, and he was the boss. So that was the, that's the guy I uh, – and he said, well, we'll give him four or five minutes in, in between periods, and uh, that'll be the end of him, you know. <laughs> and everybody liked it, what I did on the four or five minutes, and I think I spent 40-some years or 40-some years anyhow. I do it, Coach's Corner. I I had a good time, and then I then I said something. What did I know? Now I got to think of what I said. Oh, I oh I better not say it here. You get you'll get. No, no, you that's know. fine. You can go. I've been canceled too. Oh yeah, technically. Well, I said something about uh, what I meant was that we up here we everybody wears a poppy, or they should wear a poppy, and uh, for the store. And I said something about the new people coming over. They didn't know, but they should be wearing a poppy, and. No, that was the end of me. You know, I had gone on long enough. I mean, long enough, 43 years, that's long enough. You know, you were uh, you were such a recognizable feature. I mean, I was there, you know, when you were doing the show, and I'd be at a restaurant or a bar in Toronto, and then all of a sudden, and you'd come on, and it'd get quiet. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, you were became an institution for that length of time. And it was, it was a, but it was always entertaining, and it was always fun. And I don't know, where did, where did you come up with all those crazy suits? I don't know. Oh, I, I bought them. I actually, I paid for them, too. I, I didn't have anybody pay for them. Everybody used to get money to, uh, to buy suits and stuff, and I paid for all those all those jackets. I give them to Cindy, and uh, she, she put them, she, she, uh, I don't know what, she put them up for auction, I guess, or something. But I give them all to her. Huh. Pity my daughter. Yes. Um, as I was reading, so that it, money went right to the pet foundation that you have going on as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we, uh, I, they, they call it the Don Cherry, but it's her that runs it. God and, bless her uh, for we, it. We, yeah, she, she, uh, she, uh, she does uh, some wonderful works with that, uh, with that organization, and, uh, and I collect the money if I can, and, um, uh, you know, a little bit, and, and uh, we do a podcast, and and she she mentioned it once in a while, and that and the and the podcast actually give eighteen thousand dollars to uh, uh, I don't know how they got it, but they got it, and they give her eighteen thousand dollars to help her out. That's great. That's great. And so, <clears throat> in my opinion, you should be in the Hall of Fame, not as a broadcaster, but as a builder. <laughs> I, I just don't know why they. I mean, you okay. you encourage more people to play than any any commissioner or any other guy that I know because of your, you know, your colorful nature and why you're not in the hall of fame is it's a shame. Well, they don't like me in the hall of fame either. 
I, I, a lot of guys don't like me. I, I, I'm on the thing, and I, every guy every, we get in contact with, we um, they don't like me, man. Uh, I they they don't like me, and uh, I never get on now because uh, uh, I, you know, I, I said you, uh, you know how the world is today. You say anything against foreigners or anything, you're in trouble. So I did, and um, and uh, now I do the podcast, and and you know I'm having a good time. You can say whatever you want on the podcast too. Yeah, and I don't, we were pretty. We, my my son, it, he runs the whole thing. He he runs the thing, and I just go over there on uh, Sunday mornings, and we do the show, and and then we have a nice uh, lunch, and and it's it's a lot of fun. That's great. Uh, just a couple more minutes. Just back to hockey. What was the biggest change in the game in your lifetime? Well, I, I when I would call on penalties now, I mean, I. I I, I I don't think I can coach now because of the the way they call the penalties now. I mean, I don't know how they they put up with it, the, especially the hooking. <laughs> you know why they don't show they don't show the the replays? They don't show the the, the play so we can find the hooking. They don't and they don't want to get the the wrong hooking or holding or or something. No, that's the biggest change I see in the game today is. Uh, the, the way they the way they call penalties. Well, you know the one the one that I agree with you is some really tough calls. But the one that kills me is when you slap a guy's stick on the shaft and it breaks and you get a two minute penalty automatically. <laughs> yeah, what do they call that? Uh, a slash it, I guess. Uh, but it, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's and the icing. The guys get the puck now. Bobby Orr said they should be put the red line back in to slow it down a little, and I agree. The the, the um, it's ridiculous the icings now. It used to be maybe three icings a, a, a game, and now they they just get the puck and just rifle it, hoping somebody gets it. Well, um, have you been able to watch many Bruins games this season? Oh yeah, I've been watching them, and, and they played Dallas tonight, uh, eight thirty, I think. Last yeah, night I they played them. You missed it. Yeah. You missed it. It was last night. It was a great game, too. We you won't get somebody to stream it for you. They play Nashville tomorrow, and uh, Dallas was last night. They won an overtime on a Postonoc goal. Well, that guy's doing a great job. That Montgomery, is it? Uh, the coach, Coach Montgomery? Yep. Yeah, I call him I call him Mr. Rogers because every day is a happy day. Hey, win number 100 well, for his career, though, last night. Well, he's doing, he's doing good. He's doing a good job. They got a tough schedule coming up. You were telling me. And uh, we like one year we only lost uh, eighteen games. I don't. I think they'll be around that when they get when they get through with this schedule coming up. Yeah, it's. I'm going to be curious to see if they pick up some more people for depth, especially on the blue line. You know, everybody gets dinged up in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't like. Their, yeah, I don't like their. I don't like their six, seven, eight, nine guys. But but I mean, it's been a remarkable show. They. They're not a dump and chase team, Don. They're a puck possession oh, team. No he's pass, pass, around. Yeah, that Pasternak is pretty good. He uh, and Bergeron and and uh, Marchand's my favorite. Uh, I mean, they, and uh, that's a, that's a great line when they put that line together, boy. You know, uh, it's going to be trouble for the other team. I know Johnny Gusick won't like this, but Brad Marchand for me is is the best left wing in Bruins history. Boy, and Marchand. And when he and he just seems to come through when they need him, and uh, he does he did the same thing in the World Tournament, and 
every time they need a goal, it uh, Marshawn is the guy they do it do it with. And and their goaltending has just been outstanding. This kid Omar. Well, that's, been... that's that's the key. Is, is that uh, you, you get you get good good goaltending? They get a shot quite a bit sometimes, and uh, the goaltending holds them in there. And both of them are good guys. I mean, they're they're, not, they're both good. And uh, I had pretty good. Well, I had pretty good goaltenders too. But those two guys are are phenomenal. I mean, they really are. Does uh, <clears throat> does Tampa have enough left in the tank to make another run at it? Well, I tell you one thing: they're they're pretty good, and I hate to be playing those guys. And at least they're going. At least either play the Bruins, who have their number, or, or uh, and now they're going to play Tampa. Boy, and that Tampa is just getting just get, you're getting warmed up for the playoffs. And and you know Toronto have they have they figured it out? I mean, their goals against is down. Their goaltending's been better, not sensational, but better. Well, Do you think I they, think. with all their offense, that they could challenge a team like Boston? Well, if they put on those five guys, four guys that they're paying forty million dollars for, they they have a chance against anybody. But I don't know; it's going to be tough against the, uh, Tampa. The way they're playing, they're just they're coming on. It looks like they they were just taking it easy for the first three quarters of the, and now. And that, and they've been there before, and I'm sure they're hungry for it again. The team I can't quite figure out is Colorado. I know they've been injured, yeah, but they just can't seem to get a good run together. Goaltending goal is, uh, is is not good for them. If they had Boston's goaltending, and they'd be so far ahead, it would be unbelievable. That Montgomery is using the goaltenders in the right way. He's doing something right for them, but yeah, well, he was. Uh, I mean, I talked to Andy Brickley, the Bruins commentator, earlier today, and he mentioned uh, just how good a communicator that Montgomery was and that that's the way to go in today's game. You can't dictate to the players. You have to make them understand and talk to them and still try to do it your own way. But 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 you were uh, an excellent communicator, as I mentioned. I think you could yeah, do it. Yeah, I, I I I used to talk to the guys. I, I remember Rick Middleton. I, when I I saw him in the American League. I coached against him in the American League. He could only one way. He, he thought score goals. That's the only way. Jesus, did I have trouble with him? I'll tell you that. But but boy, at the end of the at the end of his uh, career, he 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 was. Uh, you could put him on when you were leading three two. You could put him on and face off in your end. Well, I know we didn't. Climb the pinnacle. We got awfully close before we got knocked off our perch. But uh, the one thing I say is nobody had any more fun playing for you grapes than our Bruins teams did back then. It was just a laugh a minute. Every day was fun to go to the rink. Every day was, you know, you were you were playing playing with family. Yeah, it was like you know the guys in Rochester didn't like me either because what happened was that I wouldn't bring I would play short rather than bring a guy up because. The way I figured it this way, whoever we brought up had to be the number one guy to score. Well, I wanted him on. The, I wanted him to kill penalties, and nobody ever could figure that out. So <laughs> they didn't like me down there either. So a lot of people didn't like me. I'm glad. Well, I'm glad you guys like me. There's a there's millions more that like you and wish you were back on TV because you're sorely missed. And that the jamokes they have doing TV now can't say anything. They just try to be laugh at each other and tell silly yeah. stories and, and it's <laughs> awful. 
They don't even talk hockey. No, I, well, it, it's all changed. It's all, it's all and I'm not for the better. But, uh, and, um, you know, we used to have a, a, a great um, uh, controller, I don't know. Say. We wouldn't even know. Uh, do you remember when I first, when I first, when I went to the Bruins, she used to know when there would be icing. And it was a girl, too. And she used to know when there would be icing. And she'd, she'd call. And by the time we got ready to face off, we were ready to go. And that's the way I think hockey should be. But I guess they got to pay for their salaries. Eleven million. Imagine making eleven million dollars. Imagine what. Imagine what Orr would be making today. You'd have to give him part of the club. Yeah, yeah. And apparently they did at one time, but he, yeah. he didn't hear about it. Well, no, great. No. I sometimes sometimes I must tell that story. That's a long story. That's and it's a it's a great story. Well, um, thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're having fun with the podcast. And stay in touch. Okay, Mike. I'll see you later. Toodaloo. The legendary Don Cherry right here on Gloves Off Hockey. We'll be right back after a quick word from these sponsors. Hey, this is Mike Milbury for Ketchis Law. Ketchis Law Group has experienced injury lawyers who are ready to fight for you and get you what you deserve. They have won over $1 billion for their clients since 1986, and you don't pay anything unless they win. Ketchis Law Group is made up of 50 experienced attorneys and over 100 highly trained team members who truly care about your well-being and financial future. The team at Ketchis Law Group will work tight tirelessly to get you the results you deserve. Ketchis Law Group, where they take care of New Englanders who get hurt through no fault of their own. Call 508-321-7000 or learn more at catcheslaw.com. When you go out for dinner, you really want to head to a spot you know. Your local gem in the city of Presidents is the Fowler House Cafe. Family owned and operated, the Fowler House Cafe is a Quincy landmark serving American cuisine every day. Stop by the Fowler House Cafe and enjoy their famous buffalo fingers, specialty sandwiches, pasta, steaks, and more. Better yet, try their South Shore bar style pizza today. These crowd pleasers are all homemade and will keep your family fed and happy. Try to catch the game with a few friends? The Fowler House Cafe offers 18 different draft beers, including seasonal options and micro-brews. To top it all off, the Fowler House has a large array of 4K ultra-high-def TVs, ensuring you're never going to miss a single play. The Fowler House Cafe, located at 1049 Hancock Street, right in the heart of downtown Quincy. Call 617-773-9000 or go to thefowlerhousecafe.com to place your order today. The Fowler House Cafe, Quincy's best. So that was the one and only Don Cherry, sly as a fox, flamboyant, demanding, and the one word that I, I always use when it comes to Don is is fun. I mean, work hard and play hard. So that kind of Bruins philosophy that applied to the big bad Bruins of the New York era was reinvented in in the late 1970s. You know, I can tell you one story. We he he would go out with the guys after a win, after or even a loss. He'd go out with the guys for beers and hang out with everybody and get to know him. And, you know, it came at a time when he was the only coach. There wasn't a whole bench full of coaches. If you look at the Bruins bench now, you see three, four guys back there. And and this was just Don Cherry alone doing it. But anyway, I remember one game in Atlanta. We went out for a couple adult beverages after the game. And, and uh, it was late because the games don't get over till like 11, 1130. You get to the bar and, so it was only, it was maybe about one o'clock and the bar was closing down and one of Don's favorite songs came on and 
you know, the manager said, okay, you guys all have to leave. It's after closing time. And Don said, well, I just want to listen to the end of the song. Can you just let us listen to the end of the song? And then we're all, we'll all go. And the manager said, no, you've got to go. And he said, by the way, my bouncer knows karate. So none of the Bruins wanted to leave. And Don sat there and started listening to the rest of the song. And out comes this guy with the manager with his karate kid. And uh, so he sort of approached the group. And Al Secord stepped up and gave him a stiff left and put him down on the floor. <laughs> they finished the song and then we went on from there. <laughs> Where have I heard that quote before? I'm just trying to listen to the song. <laughs> anyway, back to today's Bruins. Um, they traveled to Seattle and it's a, it's a start of a tough five-game road trip that goes all across the western, northwestern part of the continent and comes back to end in Pittsburgh. Um, Seattle won't be easy. They're the fifth-place team in the Western Conference. They can score a ton. Martin Jones has been reborn in Seattle. He's got 23 wins, and he's showing Linus Olmark like Karn. Their top defense pairing is Adam Larson and Vince Dunn, one from St. Louis and one from Edmonton via New Jersey. And I can't believe that Larson was left unprotected by Edmonton because they're not dying for defensemen, but these guys have become a, they're not McAvoy and Lindholm, but they've become a really formidable pairing. And, you know, their forwards uh, have gotten balanced scoring. They got some bodies healthy. Um, Maddie Meniers is playing like a rookie of the year candidate. And GM Ron Francis added some useful vets like Burakovsky. And he picked up this guy, Eli Tolvanen, on waivers. He had eight goals in 15 games in January. So, Kind of got to give Ron Francis a little credit. And they're surprisingly fifth in the National Hockey League in goals for. So the Bruins can't go in there thinking this is expansion team. It's a legitimate team now that's trying to make some waves. Vancouver's next. Not going to be easy. New coach, breathing a little bit of life into them. Um, but it's one they should, they should put away. And then they hit a couple of tough spots in Alberta, Edmonton. And we all know the story with Edmonton. McDavid, the top player in the league, and Dreisaitl beside him, one of the top five players in the league, for sure. It's the best one-two punch in hockey. Um, and they're struggling to find their playoff spot. And right after that is Calgary, who's fighting for their playoff lives. And you know Sutter, a Sutter coach team is going to be ready to go. And the Bruins, all the while, everybody knows that the, the, the best record in hockey, they're going to have that mark on their back that says, you know, let's get them. And I think Calgary, Calgary trying to get a playoff spot will be ready. And Pittsburgh, who's not played all that well lately, finishes the road trip. And they, too, are trying to stay alive and be in the playoffs. And it's going to be, it's going to be a, a tough battle. What's your prediction on the road trip bracket, Ben? It's going to be tough against the Kraken, no doubt about it. They've had the B's number all season long, it seems. And well, uh, I certainly appreciate uh, the confidence that you have in the uh, the revamped Vancouver Canucks for the rest of the season under the new head coach. Uh, I'm not too, too worried about Vancouver this time around. Any team, any night has a chance of making it happen. Never going to say no to that. But 
I feel pretty good about the Vancouver game. Not so much about the Seattle game, though. Pittsburgh is always a wild card for us. I mean, it can go one of uh, four ways, I think, and it all depends on what Sidney Crosby ends up pulling together. But as far as the road trip, I'm looking forward to it. I think they've got uh, the chemistry they need. That Edmonton game is going to be something, too. I mean, you got Pasternak and McDavid going at it. I'm hoping that they come back at least three and two. If they do better than that, then that's that's great. But by the way, Carolina is nine and one in their last ten games, and right. they're seven points back of the Bruins. And their schedule is much more friendly than Boston's. That gap is going to close before it's all over. I don't know if they can make up seven points, um, but it's hard to believe as good as Boston has been that Carolina only has two more regulation losses than Boston. They have 10, Boston has eight. It's it's just, it, this all in all, the Eastern Conference is going to be incredibly tough to crawl out of to get to the Stanley Cup final. I think whoever does will have to take a beating, but um, they will have earned their way, and we'll see what comes out of the West. Colorado is still trying to figure it out. But right now, when they get back from this road trip, they'll be just a couple days away from the trade deadline. And now the Bruins have seen the Rangers get hot after picking up Tarasenko from St. Louis. Toronto snagged playoff MVP Ryan O'Reilly from 2019 from St. Louis. What did he have against Buffalo? A hat trick yeah, and an uh, assist. And again, I mean, so. he just, yeah, I mean, so they, they have, you know, I still worry. I would be worried about their goaltending if I were them. And the Islanders didn't play well in their last trip here, but with Bo Horvat are better than they showed. They had um, they had no trouble. The Beast had no trouble with them last week. So the question basically is, from my angle, is what is Don Sweeney going to do? What's he going to do? Does he have to do anything? No, he doesn't have to do anything. He's going to have to be really careful. I, Luke Shen, his name has been mentioned. We've talked about him. And they're sitting him out tonight, so somebody's getting close to making a deal for him. Gavrikov from Columbus is, is now sitting out again, and, he, and they're going to – they're going to move on him. I don't know if... The bees are rumored on that one, by the way. Yeah, they are. But I, you know what? He's a big guy, not particularly physical, eats a lot of minutes, but I don't know who he takes out of the lineup. I mean, this group of six has played together for the last three months, and the results have been pretty damn good. I mean, so, I mean, and I, I'm worried about, you know, the price that has to be paid. And it's going to be very interesting to see... If any of those defensemen, well, those are the most common, commonly referred to names when it comes to the Bruins. And up front, it's still Barbashev from St. Louis. Who's just, I would put him on the third line, and I think he's got a useful player there. Um, I think he's better than Smith. I think they're probably they're still trying to shop around and make a little cap space available to themselves. But pie in the sky, I just love to see Patrick skate. Patrick Kane in the Bruins uniform. Oh, it would give me so much confidence <laughs> going in. You know, I mean, imagine him playing on the third line. Did you? I mean, he's not gonna not gonna push anybody off the top six because it's going too well. But you you would have a top nine, not a top six. That'd be really so good problem to have there. Yeah, that's my dream. Do you think he moves on anything? I man, I mean, we've been talking about it in just about every circle that you can find hockey being discussed right now. And did you catch his uh, would-be OT buzzer beater last night? Did you see that highlight? I did not. Uh, he, he he took a pass, and with literally, what was it, 1.3 seconds is when he crossed over the blue line. Absolutely fired one in, and it 
that was a goal, man. By my eye, the green light came on well after that net twine moved, but the referees in the uh, war room in Toronto, they disagreed, they disallowed it, and that was that. But, they, I mean, you could, that whole arena, man, you could have sold that for billions of dollars in that moment. What a play. What a player. Wherever he ends up, if he moves, someone's taking a very motivated Patrick Kane forward into the future. Well, let's hope it's Beantown. All right, Ben, that's all I got for you today. Uh, Have a good week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Mike, as always. And, folks, thank you for listening to Gloves Off Hockey right here on 1510 WMEX. And don't forget, you can catch up on all of our past episodes at WMEXBoston.com or wherever you can find your podcast content. Have a great night, folks, and we'll catch up with you next time.